This episode of the Global Franchise Podcast is brought to you by Location Bank. Are customers struggling to find you? Is the competition getting the first found advantage? Tired of being beaten to the punch? Good news, Location Bank can help. Create one version of the digital truth, engage with customers, track key digital performance metrics and boost digital visibility across your whole franchise network from one platform. Be found with Location Bank. Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things international franchising. I'm Kieran McLoon, editor for Global Franchise Magazine. One of the big ahas that I had is business is business. So it doesn't matter if your eyelashes to ice cream, that was all the same. So if if there are commonalities in scaling those, then why wouldn't there be commonalities in scaling a nonprofit system? So one thing I learned was that there's a million, 1.2 million nonprofits in the U.S., many of whom find themselves stuck. Not every not every nonprofit has to scale to succeed, but many do. And it's just like uh, many of the franchise systems I've found. Our guest today is something of a franchising veteran, having been CEO for a number of large international brands such as haagen Pure Bar and The Lash Lounge. David Keel is now the president of franchise consultancy Franworth and uses his decades of experience in assisting franchise brands with their growth and development. In recent years, however, David has also turned his talents to the charitable world of non-profits. Having founded Franchise for Good in 2020, the official non-profit division of Franworth, he now works directly with companies who are seeking guidance to achieve sustainable growth. And with a strong understanding of how to do so on the franchise side of things, David has been able to translate these learnings elsewhere. Join us as we learn more about the origins of Franchise for Good, what the organisation is doing to promote ethical causes, and what challenges could impact the business model as we continue. So I'm a, my career is a tale of two. I started off in the Fortune 500 world with uh, as a, a member of some CPG companies like Frito-Lay, General Mills, a big chemical company called Ecolab, and just pretty traditional Fortune 500 route. And then I found franchising. Uh, first job in franchising, I was CEO of the haagen Shop Company, uh, which has got shops all around the globe, ice cream shops. I don't know if you're an ice cream fan, but uh, they're all around. Uh, so I was the president of that operation. Uh, later, uh, was the first non-family CEO of Honey Bay Tam, another half corporate owned, half franchise system. Later ran Pure Bar, a 550-unit boutique fitness franchise chain, uh, and then finally ran The Lash Lounge. So I'm a four-time franchise CEO, and along that journey, had learned so many things about how to scale companies. Every single one of those, they were at different phases. Lash Lounge was just at the beginning, and so we took it from six units to 120, or others were more mature, had been around, uh, so the the... Honey Baked Ham business had been around for 59 years when I joined. So, um, but every single one of those, there was a common playbook about how to scale. So in 2019, I went through a program and really tried to explore, okay, I've had some successes in my life, but how do I make sure that I, I spend the rest of my days on this earth uh, for more significance? Uh, and so through that process, I, I came to the idea, re- literally was at a, a, my cabin in Northern Michigan uh, walking through the woods, and, and this idea came to me about why not apply all those principles of franchising 
with, that is some of the best on the planet about scaling and apply that to the nonprofit space. So that was the seed of the idea. Uh, and then I began in 2020 to really put the business plan together, found my first client, uh, and it went from there. Right, sounds great. And pairing those kind of your experience within the franchise industry with obviously Franchise for Good Now, what would you say are some of the, the key lessons that you learned throughout that time that now have gone into the processes that you use when um, doing the work with Franchise for Good to scale the nonprofits? One of the big ahas that I had is business is business. So it doesn't matter if your eyelashes to ice cream, that was all the same. So if, the, if there are commonalities in scaling those, then why wouldn't there be commonalities in scaling a nonprofit system. So one thing I learned was that there's a million, 1.2 million uh, nonprofits in the U.S., many of whom f- find themselves stuck. Not every, not every nonprofit has to scale to succeed, but many do. And it's just like uh, many of the franchise systems I've found, founded by a founder who do well for a while, and whether they're raising money or serving their whoever their client is, uh, and then sometimes stall out. Uh, stall out for different reasons. Uh, and often the, these, what I've found was that these are exactly the same common reasons between for-profits and non-profits. So the playbook, uh, it always had started at every company that I've had the privilege to lead uh, or grow. It started with the same. You've got to have a very tight strategy. So you have to understand who the competitive set is. You have to understand your own capabilities. You have to understand uh, you know, the dynamics of the end market you have to understand all that. So I, that's the place that we always start, is understanding a clear strategy of the, the landscape within which you're playing. doesn't matter if you're a nonprofit or for-profit. For uh, for-profit, it's a competitive set. For nonprofits, it's other people that provide similar services to you. So the first step is doing a really good strategic assessment, understanding your capabilities in whichever market you're serving. The next thing uh, is really understanding and defining and writing down the essence of the brand. And this is what I've found in every one of those companies that I described before that needed a little bit of work. So even companies that have been around 50, 60 years needed help refining their mission, their vision, their value proposition, you know, their why, uh, their, their reasons to believe, their brand imagery, uh, really defining who they are. And that may surprise you. It certainly surprised me as I stepped into some of these more mature businesses. And many businesses would say, well, no, no, I've got that. I, I, I would challenge that. And, and I, every single one that I've faced, every company that I've had the opportunity to work with, for-profit or not-for-profit, I've had the opportunity to go in and really help them refine that brand essence. In fact, I'm doing it here, the new client here in a couple of weeks uh, on, the, on the franchise for good side. And that's really where we're starting is making sure we've got a clear strategy and a really tight brand essence that's written down. Because if you're going to scale, it's, it's one thing for the founder to come in and say, okay, here's what this brand is about. I, I remember the last launch that I came in as the CEO, first CEO of that company, partnering with the founder, uh, and she had run this wonderful business. Her name's Anna Phillips. This business is doing fantastic today. And she had a great essence of the brand, but we had never written it down. And we spent a day or so just locked ourselves in a conference room and walked out with a manifesto that's now on the walls of, uh, of every uh, salon. And that helps everybody as you scale understand, okay, what are we about? Same thing in the nonprofit space. You often nonprofits are founded by someone who's got a passion for a business and, and only the founder can speak to that sometimes. So if you're gonna scale, you've gotta capture that essence. You gotta write it down so others can 
propagate that and send that same message around wherever it is that you're scaling. So those are the first two I start with, Kieran. Um, and then we often spend time on the offer itself, refining it. One thing, we're, we're in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is the, the hometown of Tom Monahan and the Domino's business. And one of the things that we learned from Mr. Monahan is he was he he just espoused simplification of the offer for 30 years as Domino's grew. You could get pizza and you could get Coke. That's it. Not Diet Coke, not wings, not salads, pizza and Coke. And so that learning I've tried to bring to brands. So oftentimes people have the core, whatever it is that you're offering. And sometimes those things expand over time. It's just natural. If you're a consumer packaged food company, SKUs expand. If you're a service company, services expand. It's just natural. But often uh, that's a waste and it helps you, it gets you away from your core model. So often we also come in in these nonprofit uh, partnerships and define what's that offer. What is it that they're really doing? Who are they serving? What's their why? How do they do it better than anybody else? rather than spreading themselves too thin and doing many things, not as well instead of one thing with excellence. So, so I start with those three, and then I've got a whole set of other tools that I'm you know, happy to talk about later that are much more tactical and, and you know, bespoke to a client, but really always start with those three. And um, as well as your your nonprofit um, clients, Dave, I know that Franchise for Good also works with ex- existing franchisors who want to make a social impact and have more of a, uh, a positive impact in the world as opposed to just revenues for themselves. Um, would you say that this kind of area of your business has increased over the past two years since you first launched Franchise for Good? And the reason I ask that is just because it feels like this idea of brands having a purpose and giving back more into the world is really significant and has become increasingly so in light of the pandemic people are looking at brands in different ways is that is that something you've experienced with the organization you know uh it's it's a great point my hope is that that happens kieran uh but to date it it has not uh one thing i will say about franchising it's one of the most philanthropic businesses that i've been uh, associated with so franchises do give back to the local communities franchisees invest in the local communities franchisors uh, invest in larger causes so that I've seen uh, in spades. So that absolutely happens. Um, what I'm so my work today to answer your question has been primarily with nonprofits. You know, I, I get calls every week from a nonprofit that wants to scale and wants to grow. So that's been the preponderance of my work is with nonprofits, helping them working on marketing programs or you know scaling in place, or by leveraging what we call a chapter affiliate model to go replicate what they have and go grow. My hope, though, and part of the reason I founded Franchise for Good is indeed for what you described, which is I do believe that franchisors can give back and give back in a different way. Uh, and so, so I, as a leader of four different franchisors, I would have loved for someone to come along me and say, hey, Dave, have you thought about how you can give back differently, leveraging a franchise model? So that that's the twist. And that's, I believe, what the unique... Uh, proposition is for Franchise for Good is actually allowing franchisors to leverage what we're the best at. We're wonderful at scaling. I mean, we're, we're one of the, the best scaling ways to scale on the planet. Yet often the ways we give back as franchisors in the community is something different. We're, we're, we're holding a, 
you know, uh, a, a cleanup day in the community or we're, you know, supporting people. Um, so my hope is that we actually leverage what we're the best at and give back in that way, which is often partnering with a local nonprofit, perhaps, and helping them deploy the tools that we use every day in franchising to help them scale or grow or market better or, or whatever it may be. So the honest answer is no, I've, I've not really had that many uh, you know, people calling me, uh, but also I've not picked up the phone uh, and called the franchise leaders that, that I know and respect and ask them because I'm sure when I do, they will absolutely say yes. So it's really, uh, frankly, it's more on me. I've had so much demand for nonprofits that need our help and we're small and just getting going. Um, but I do think that's uh, going to come and that's part of the hope. And I appreciate your the time on your podcast and others uh, to you know get the word out that we're here. Um, you know, one of the best that I saw back in the day was, so I was I ran the haagen business and I, I, I did a partnership with Ben and Cherries, uh, which was really fun. And uh, one thing that I saw within Ben and Cherries, they had, they had partner shops. So they had ice cream shops that they would put into the hands of someone who otherwise would not have the economic ability to go open their own store. Uh, so perhaps in an inner city or someone that was didn't have the financial resources. So that that was uh, I love that. And that planted a seed for me. And, and I think it wasn't as successful as they had hoped. It, they did have some success. It wasn't as successful as they had hoped, I think, because it's a different model. It was it, you have to treat things slightly differently in this type of nonprofit setup, and you had a whole organization just you know supporting for-profit stores. Uh, so I, I think there's something in here, some real value that we can unpack as I partner with mature franchisors, but it, it really hasn't happened. Absolutely. Um, just shifting gears slightly, Dave. I know that as well throughout your career, um, as well as being you know the CEO of these many franchise organisations, you've been a adjunct professor at Hamline University School of Business. Um, and franchising education is something that we've kind of covered extensively in Global Franchise before. It seems like one of the the main hurdles um, in terms of expanding the franchising model uh, throughout the world. Um, do you think that the industry as a whole is doing enough to kind of spread the good word of franchising among demographics that maybe aren't aware of the industry? Or do you think that millennials and younger groups who are going to be the leaders of tomorrow um, perhaps need some more education when it comes to the franchising model? I think absolutely the latter. Um, so franchising does do a good job. And, and the, you know, the IFA runs a CFE program you know, that helps educate people. I know a number of universities, certainly in the States, are beginning to add a more formal franchise education. I just saw that uh, out in Denver uh, that, that that is happening. Uh, I know here in uh, Michigan, Northwood University has got a franchise system. So I think there is some in the more formal education uh, systems that's beginning to adopt and teach this. But no, I, I don't think we're doing enough. And I, and I do think um, that we can do more as franchisors. And I, and I think I go back to the core of what my hope is, is that, you know, why, why shouldn't we leverage what we're amazing at and teach people that? I think the older that I get in my career, I tend to want to give back and be much more of a mentor. I think often, you know, we're off sometimes in our careers, we're off doing. And then as we mature, we slow down a little bit and begin to say, hey, how do I teach or mentor or make sure others can learn from my mistakes or my successes. So, you know, as I slowed down and began to start to do that, 
I did find opportunities all day long to mentor others. And many of these are these basic principles that I am, you know, beginning to, to leverage through Franchise for Good. One thing I'll tell you is that my initial uh, engagement with nonprofits was uh, sitting on nonprofit boards. Uh, and so that was a really cool way to get engaged. And I know many of your listeners engage in that way. But one of the things that I found most interesting when I was sitting on a nonprofit board was there were needs all throughout whatever the nonprofit organization was for people to go sit on committees or do, you know, plan something. I, I remember when I sat on one in the Minneapolis area uh, and they needed some help on a website. Uh, so I went to our IT group. I think I was with General Mills at the time and said, hey, does anybody want to just do some pro bono work to go help this nonprofit I'm working on on their website? And I think I got 50 different people are like, yeah, I'd be happy to help. So I, I think, how do we go unpack that? You know, how do we go? And that, that's nothing more than taking a tool, you know, from one organization and cross pollinating it to another. So I think one of the biggest things we're missing in franchising. Yes, we were beginning to have more formal training about how do you, what are these systems and processes that you can scale well on. But I think more of these informal ones is really the way to go to for us each in franchising to adopt this posture of mentorship and look for areas in our own in our own neighborhoods and cities. But how do we go leverage what we know day to day and really take for granted? To be honest, all this stuff we just do. And it was part of what I did. I never really thought I could go teach and apply this to a different area. And I'm not special. Every one of us in franchising could do this if we're aware and looking for it. And I think that's got to be that is how do you take that posture of mentorship and say, OK, how, what is it that I know and work on every day that could go add some good to someone else's life? How can I go help educate someone? Because if you unpack it, we really are amazing at what we do and go take things from a few and go replicate around the globe uh, in a very simple replicable system. That's what franchising is. And we have so much to teach others. So, uh, yeah, it's a great question. And I mean, I hope to be part of this movement, but I do think that that, that's the way we do it is kind of one person, one engagement at a time, looking in your local areas to go look for those places. And um, once again, looking at franchising from a bit of a bird's eye point of view, Dave, what do you think is the the number one issue facing the industry today? Or, and are there any ways in which that can then be overcome? Or do you think it's perhaps a, a, st- a condition of this post-pandemic world and it's just a matter of time? Like, uh, like many, I'm sure you've spoken with labor uh, availability continues to be the biggest thing, at least in our businesses that with whom we work, uh, that is a, is a major issue. You know, we get pressures legislatively, uh, but but I think finding labor is one uh, good labor that you can train to give people opportunities to go advance themselves is super important. So there are people coming at this a unique way. You know, one thing I'll do is give a plug for one of my partners that came at this in an interesting way. So my first client at Franchise for Good was a company called Colorado Home Building Academy. So the founder there, Pat Hamill, was part uh, of the Clayton Homes business, he, part of the Berkshire Hathaway family, largest home builder in Colorado. He had a labor issue, building thousands of homes in Colorado, but had a dearth of labor, skilled labor, trade labor, carpenters, plumbers, electricians. And so he took the matter into his own hands. He created a passion. He's a very philanthropic man, passion for education. So he combined his need on one hand 
for labor with his passion for education and philanthropy on the other, and he created a trade job training school. So he took the matter into his own hands. And uh, so labor issue took a a philanthropic approach and created a trade job training school, Uh, partnered with me. We shared the same executive coach. Uh, I was looking for something to scale. He was looking for something to scale. We partnered, brought these two companies together, created a new one called Build Strong Academy. And now we're launching trade job academies across the country because there's some, you know, 700,000 job opportunities for people in the trades that we just need a place to go train them. So there's, that's just an example for you about Mm. how, if we think about things differently, that we can go attack a big problem like labor in the own way. I know here at Franworth, my for profit uh, day job, um, we're doing this. We're trying to come up with new ways to say, how do we go create career paths for technicians in our businesses? How do we go create you know, new opportunities for them to continue their education. So I do think franchisors uh, may be facing these issues, but my challenge to your listeners is, okay, what could you do differently with your own, within your own four walls as a franchisor? You know, how could you do things perhaps differently, much like Pat Hamill did when he, when he faced something, uh, an obstacle. Yeah, no, it certainly sounds like it's a much better way to be about um, being more proactive, I suppose, with the labour issue as opposed to passively sitting back and hoping that the labour comes to you, which evidently for a lot of brands at the moment is just not happening. Um, my The final question I have for you, Dave, is kind of the flip side of that, which is just at the moment, what excites you about the future of the franchising model? I firmly believe having spent you know half a career, you know, 25 years in the consumer packaged food and Fortune 500 space, and then spending the, the last is, you know, lucky to lead several franchise ors and, and partner with many more. We at Franworth partner with 10 different businesses that are in the franchise space. I don't think there's any business better equipped for the future than franchising. It's a, it's a wonderful model. It's, it puts people into a business that they can go run and lead and be their own entrepreneur, yet supported by a franchisor uh, who's got the tools and practices to go help them scale and succeed. Um, I have, in my Franchise for Good journey, I have heard people have a negative connotation of franchising, you know, that for somehow perceive uh, that it's not a great model. And so trying to do my best to to fight that and say, look, there, there are so many benefits of the franchise model. Uh, you know, the people are wonderful. People are mentors. People want to give back and want to give back in different ways. Uh, so, I mean, yet again, I'm, I'm a firm believer in franchising. I love it as a business model. I know it drives success. I have seen it. It helps uh, drive levels of success for individuals and franchisors, you know, that change, uh, you know, the, the country in positive ways. Uh, so just I, I couldn't be more fired up. I think it's a perfect time, even as we, you know, may be heading in some some more rough economic times here in the you know, with inflation going crazy and the, you know, the, the exchange rates going crazy uh, and the capital markets tight, I still believe this is a great time and know that the best of the best will rise here within franchising over these next couple of years. Well, I think that's a very optimistic note to end on. So thank you very much once again, Dave, for joining us and uh, looking forward to seeing what's next from Franchise for Good in the coming months. I appreciate the opportunity, Kieran. Thank you very much. We've covered the positives that can come from franchising in the past, but I don't think we've ever seen a model such as Franchise for Good, which is taking the key learnings from the business model itself and using them to help scale non-profits. 
It makes perfect sense to do so, however, because franchising is arguably all about growth and scale. It seems that this method is working so well for Dave at the moment because, as he touched on, business is business. Whether you're growing an ice cream brand or a charitable organisation, the same fundamentals hold true. Knowing your message, supporting your people and identifying areas for improvement. We'd be keen to hear your thoughts on this. Has your organisation dipped its toes into the non-profit world? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.